All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of What's What BR. We've got our friend Gary Graves back with us. How are you, sir? Hey, doing well. How about you? I'm keeping up. Uh, it's it's just freaking hot, is all I can say. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those two months a year where you want to pull, right? It's, oh my God, like, I've got one, and I don't need, I've got in it, and it's 90 degrees. It's like taking a bath. It's, the, the pool's not even doing anything for me. It's amazingly hot, and so I don't know how I'm surviving. I was at my kid's soccer practice uh, Sunday. I've got my twin boys over there. And about the end that their team was wrapping up, all these cars started showing up. And, like, grown adults your age, my age are, like, showing up and they're, like, lacing up cleats. And then they start going full-on, like, soccer. And I'm, like, I looked at one of the – I'm, like, there's nothing in my life you could give me, bribe me to make me want to go run around and play on a soccer field, <laughs> much less in the winter. But when it's 100 degrees, out, like, I'm just not there anymore. I'm not there in my life anymore. Yeah. No, so. it's uh... – it, it definitely is uh, definitely is tough times. It's, it's it's one of those things where I go out and go work in the yard and everything else. It's to be a very deliberate decision. It's all right. I'm going to be sweaty, smelly, stinky the rest of the day, and uh, you really got to commit. So no, it's uh, it definitely definitely has been uh, been been a been a rough summer. Um, but, yeah, I've heard. We actually have talked. Uh, that technically, it's been we've had more rain yeah. this summer than we did even in '16, and. It's causing, I've heard, foundation problems for people. Yeah, but more know, rain and, and in many cases coming down faster as well, which, you know, of course, while, while it may help temper the temperatures a little bit, um, the amount of water that we're getting has, has absolutely stressed a lot of our, our drainage systems. And, you know, homes in, in the 2016 flood that you mentioned, you know, you kind of thought that that was the high water mark and everything that was possibly going to flood, flooded then. But just because of, of how quickly some of the rain has come down, uh, we've had new flooded homes uh, in, in the past probably about three months, never, ever flooded before. In some cases, been around for decades and, uh, and, and new, new flooding areas, which is, which is just awful because that's one of, the, one of the worst things that can happen to a family. No, it's, I did it in 16. And then I personally flooded again back in uh, May. When we had, I was one of those guys, yeah, you know, it was like, like bombs. Yeah. 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 You know, it was just, and I talked to some of and you hear some people and it'll lead us into, I want to talk a little infrastructure, but I'll, before I had people like, you know, you know, it's crazy. The city needs to do something to say, it's like, you know, look, what can, how much can you really expect? You know, when you're getting 15 inches of rain, you know, in less than 15 hours, there's only so much, you know, you can really do. Right. Yeah. You know, one, so, one of the challenges here, you know, is, that, that you're well aware of, but, but one of the challenges is that we're pretty flat. You know, if, you, if you're in these other places that have mountains and everything else, the water can evacuate a lot faster, but we're pretty flat. That makes it harder. And then also the other issue that you mentioned is that uh, the area has been so saturated that the ground's just not absorbing a lot of water just because it's been so wet this year. But, um, uh, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you a little bit about infrastructure, though, Brennan, because we, we, we do have some really – uh, major initiatives underway right now that I think are going to to make some improvements. So yeah, so tell me what's that's that was right where I was headed. You know, <laughs> infrastructure. We talked a little bit last time. We talked about it. There's been some progress and things are moving along. So yeah. Yeah. what's the word? Well, first uh, I want to be clear that uh, that things are moving too slowly, and and that's you know something that's important to reiterate. Things are moving too slowly, but. Um, 
we, we have projects um, that, that I believe we've talked about just north of north of Baton Rouge. Um, you know, the, the thing that that is really amazing is you have about 16 parishes that all drain down into Lake Maurepas, Lake Pontchartrain, Lake Bourne, and out into the Gulf of Mexico. They don't drain into the Mississippi River that's right there. And so we're trying to change that. So we have a project that all told is going to be about $450 million. All the money's in the bank. Dirt's turning right now. Everything's happening. Um, and that's going to, it's going to, again, it's going to change. It's going to take water and start allowing this area to drain into the Mississippi River. So it's going to pull major flows during, during peak storms off the Comet River, send it over to the, to the west into the Mississippi River. And that'll give more capacity to the Amate and Comet Rivers which is where, you know, we all drain into. Uh, we got another mm -hmm. project that's about a quarter of a billion dollars, and it's going to clean out and, and enlarge uh, some of the rivers and bayous like um, and, and creeks like uh, Ward Creek, Jones Creek, Bayou Fountain, uh, some of those major uh, waterways or, or drainage canals that flow right through the city of Baton Rouge and, and through our neighborhoods that, that don't have enough capacity. So it's going to, again, it's going to clean them out. It's going to enlarge them in some cases, do concrete revetments, wider bridges and things like that to where you can evacuate the water faster. And if you have water backing up on your street or at your your, uh, your, your little catch basin, um, the gutter, this is going to help, hopefully, to get that water to give more capacity to just drain faster out of our neighborhoods. So that one's moving forward. Um, we, we all told have about $3.6 billion in new flood protection investments that are, uh, that are, that are fully funded and going to be moving forward. And so we're not where we need to be. Uh, we haven't been where we needed to be for decades, but we're on a path. Money's in the bank. Things are happening. And I think you're going to see some of the major improvements within the next two years. It almost sounds like it's good to be in the drainage business right now. Yeah, it, 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 probably, it probably is a good place to be right now. There's a lot of, lot of dirt turning. There's a lot of the, the cleaning out of the pipes and, and ditches. And uh, there's people who have those marsh buggies that can go in the ditches and cut down all the stuff and remove the debris. Those guys are pretty busy right now. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, and I try to bring the other side more bluntly than other people can. You know, this isn't a problem, you know, I guess you could say we created it, but it's, you know, with all the development that we do, you know, you got developers building left and right, left and right, you know, that nobody notices. It's like, hey, we need to go, we got to catch up. Like we're behind the times, as you said, you know, we kind of, we issue a permit, a permit, a permit, go build a neighborhood, build this. And it's, you know, now it's kind of, I'm an old software guy, you know, we would, we would call this, you know, it's a technical debt, you know, that we need to kind of go back and pay off. You know, this is some drainage debt that we've got to get through, but it sounds like you said, dirt's turning money's in the bank just let us get through the process yeah you know, it's, a good, it's a good way of putting it you know and, and you can look at the you know census numbers came out recently and you can look over like the last two decades we've had some of the fastest sustained growth in the state of louisiana right here in this capital region and so you know parishes like some areas of east baton rouge Ascension, Livingston, even over, even over on the west side of the river, uh, West Baton Rouge, Niverville, you've had a lot of growth. And, and you're exactly right. The infrastructure investments have not kept pace, which is why we have such awful traffic. But it's also why we have some of the drainage problems that we do. So the good news is, is that these investments in drainage are going to be changing that. Uh, it, it is going to take a, a bit more time. And I think the better news is that 
we're not just going to get caught up to where, you know, we should have been in the 70s, 80s and 90s, because a lot of the projects that, that you and I talked about date back to, to those decades. But we actually have uh, a good bit of money, in fact, about $1.8 billion now that set aside all for kind of perspective. We don't need to be, you know, planning for the past. We need to be planning for the future. And so this is, should be investments that actually get us ahead where we need to be. So how not to put you on the spot because it's just my ignorance and I'm curious, you know, we say money's in the bank, you know, projects are moving. Yeah. Some of them we've got to get moving. Is that, you know, federal dollars that work their way in, state match dollars, and then they're sitting there and then the state's got to find, a, you know, we got to go find, you know, Billy with the Traco and, you know, get him, you know, work like, <laughs> what's the, I'm just curious, like, what's yeah, the, yeah. you know, you know, process? You know, Brandon, so, um, so what we did is, is, um, we, we, as soon as I started this job, we started working on trying to get infrastructure investments. We've had some, some really big successes. But one of the things that, that we found that works really well is instead of just kind of putting all your eggs in one basket and saying, all right, we're going to go after this funding from the Federal Highway Administration or this funding from the Corps of Engineers, is really looking at the problems and then tailoring your request to the right agency, the right place. So, for example, uh, we've got hundreds of millions of funds coming in through FEMA that go to the state and the parishes, and they actually administer it. Um, we have uh, tens of millions coming in through the, the Natural Resources Conservation Service, which is the Department of Agriculture. They give the money to the parishes, and that's some of the fastest money we've seen move so far. Uh, the Corps of Engineers, we gave them $1.4 billion. They largely control those projects, like Co-Meet, like what we call the Five Bayous Project, the one we talked about, the mm -hmm. Ward Creek, Jones Creek, Bayou Fountain, and then Beaver and Blackwater Bayou in, in the northern part of the parish. Um, uh, the Corps of Engineers largely controls uh, those dollars. We have a program through Department of Housing and Urban Development that has given the money to a state agency, and that state agency is running it, and in some cases, granting it out to levy districts, water boards, or parishes. And so, you know, honestly, it's a lot of different mechanisms uh, by which this money is being uh, executed or spent, uh, which I think works better because if you put $3.6 all on just the state or just the Corps of Engineers or whatever, it would be too much. And so the fact that it's being distributed or dispersed out through different entities, it gives you more capacity to execute. And I think it's going to actually make things happen faster. But last thing, the whole process that, that the federal government uses to develop and deliver projects it doesn't reflect the urgency of some of the projects we need. They're talking about, you know, 10 to 12 years to build a new bridge crossing the Mississippi River. Uh, the, the Baton Rouge, uh, the Five Bayous project, that one they're talking about maybe four years to have it uh, completed. Um, the the Comet project, it was supposed to be two years. They backed it up to three years. Uh, that's too long. So, so look, th this whole process that's being used, it, it is not... It's not efficient enough and that needs to be changed. And we're trying to do that. We have legislation to do it, but I'll say it again. Good news is money's in the bank, different entities are executing and progress is being made on a daily basis. I think, I think it was maybe you and I, we had talked about it, that some of the processes, it's like, it's, you've got to go and go to bat and fight, you know, tooth and nail for all of this. But then it's like, there's some federal red tape, you know, where it's like, Hey, you need to send us, you know, form X, Y, Z, but you better not email it to us because we can't, because the law says you've got to, you know, carry your pigeon it over or you know, it's got to have the red seal. And it's kind of just like that some of the way, some of these procedures at the federal level, you know, 
they're antiquated, you know, yeah. and it's almost like, how do you, how do you do both? Right. It's like, Hey, yeah. we're going to go work on this drainage, but Hey, I got to get this guy to accept an email from me at the same time. Right. You yeah. know, Brandon, I think, I think you and I talked about this last time. I will never forget after the 2016 flood, these people would be calling the office and, you know, Hey, I need help with FEMA or I need help with SBA or whatever it is. And we'd have to tell them, Hey, under the privacy act of 1974, here's what I need you to do. I need you to get on your computer. I need you to go to our website, click this link, fill out this form, print it out and sign it and then mail it to me. And you can imagine these people are like, um, hey, did you not hear me when I told you my house is under 10 feet of water? My computer's under 10 feet of water. My, you know, and you're just like, ooh, yeah. And it's, you know, 2016. I can do all my banking. I can order through Amazon. I can do whatever through my phone. So we actually changed the law uh, to where now you can do it all through your phone. And so, yes, processes are antiquated. One other example that applies directly to projects. The, the average environmental review project, and, and look, what we do, we, we need to, if we're, we're building roads or, or if we're building flood protection projects, we do need to consider what is the impact to the environment and make sure that's, at, that's being analyzed. But this process went from probably about a two-year um, uh, analysis back when this law was passed to today, it's about seven and a half years. And, you know, Brandon, being somebody who built these projects and and, and very involved in these for almost my entire life, um, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with, with with building these things, turning the dirt. And, uh, you know, I know that, that a project like that normally takes a year or two to build, you know, the average kind of infrastructure project. And, and you're going to take seven and a half years to do the environmental analysis. People have really just kind of lost sight of what it is you're trying to achieve with that environmental review. And they've hung all these ornaments on it sort of to where, you know, now you're doing all of these things that have nothing to do with actually looking at the potential impact or benefit to the environment of these projects. And, and so those things all need to be fixed. They need to be recalibrated. Uh, I'll say it one more time. We've got to have a project development delivery process that reflects the urgency of the very projects we're trying to deliver. Yeah, I'm trying to think not to beat up, you know, government, if I'm not that guy, but it's like, if I had in my business, if you green light me on a project and I say, I need to do a study and it's going to take me, you know, I've got a year and a half project, but Hey, we're going to study it. And we're going to look at it for seven years. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. how long are you going to be? Like, it just doesn't work. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. doesn't I mean, work. You're, you're going to go bankrupt because your customers, they'll find that unacceptable. And, and so, you know, as taxpayers, as citizens, we need to deem that unacceptable as well. And that's why we, we have legislation, uh, about 60 co-sponsors from across the country trying to fix this process because, you know, look, you can't go to somebody whose house is flooded and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. you go ahead and rebuild. Here's your flood insurance money. And in 10 years, we're going to have a new uh, flood protection project for you and everything will be fine then. You know, you're like, wait a minute, what? I'm not going to reinvest my insurance money in this house that just got six feet of water in it, put my family back in this you know, vulnerable situation and, and put whatever little savings I have left back into, you know, furniture, appliance, clothing, whatever in, in this house, if it's not safe. And so, you know, that's an example of where the, the project delivery doesn't reflect the project urgency and those things have to be aligned. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, I think sometimes people lose sight. They get caught up in all the, you know, checking the boxes and going through. It's yeah. like, well, what were we originally here to do? We're here to help you know, it's, you know, that's, we're not here to make bureaucracy, you know, let's just get to the mission. Let's get the guy back in his house. It reminds you, you talked about the guy filling out the form. I remember there's a 
internet provider. I remember I was on hold, very predominant, and I'm waiting at one point in time with a problem. And there, the hold music is telling me it's like if your internet is down, please go online, you know, to such and such dot com, you know, to, to for faster support. And it's kind of like really like. Yeah. Who's recording? Like, who's not? Get, how is there this much of a disconnect between yeah. like this is the tech support for your you know internet is down and you're telling to go online? You know, I guess I could go on a phone, but that just sometimes people just miss miss the boat. You know, yep. on it as they say, common sense is not very common. So yeah. Yeah. that's a good way to put it. So tell me what's going on. You know, we talk about all this infrastructure. You know, kind of we're sucked into you know yeah. like this. You know. Greater Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge, and we've got a lot of stuff in the outline areas. But, you know, if we get into the outline areas, one thing that a lot of people don't realize, I want to touch on that you've been real instrumental in putting together is that if you go 50 miles to the north, you know, finding Internet's not as easy as you would think it would be, you know, even on a cell phone at these point. Down. Like there's literally people that need internet that are in the middle of, you know, we talk about food deserts, you know, in the middle of the city where the, you can't get fresh food. Like there's internet deserts. Like if you go out in the middle, you know, of nowhere, you're not getting a high speed internet connection. And unfortunately it's a way of life now. It's not an op. It's not like, Hey, we need the internet because we're looking at cat photos. You know, it's things that people have. To have. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, so, uh, which by the way, my, my daughter takes my phone and literally looks up cat photos, but in any case, um, uh, in, in any case, so, so, so one of the things that this pandemic has really highlighted is, is, is how critical high-speed internet connections are. Um, uh, the parents that had to remote in from home for work, and of course they had to work. Uh, the kids that had to remote into school uh, to go to school to learn, and of course, they had to learn. And, and so um, even, even at our house where, you know, we live in, in Baton Rouge, but our house, um, whenever the kids were on and my wife and I were on, we ran into problems and, you know, we'd have to be like, hey, somebody's got to shut down. And, and so, you know, you said 50 miles outside of Baton Rouge, but look, the, 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 the truth is when you get up to East Feliciana or St. Helena, which look, that's not 50 miles, that's right outside of the parish. Um, even, you know, Livingston Parish, of course, you know, Denham Springs and Watson, you, you got pretty good internet options. But when you start getting out further over to that east side, you, you do have a, a broadband desert in some cases. Um, and so what we've done is we've been working together with a bunch of different agencies. And look, I want to be clear, I don't think this is the ideal way for this to be done. But billions of dollars in, in federal funds have been put toward different broadband programs. And I'll give you some examples. One of the things we found during the, the pandemic was that uh, you had these rural communities um, that, that didn't have good uh, healthcare services. And so people were, you know, they were scared to leave their house. They didn't know if they had COVID or not. And they, they, they didn't have access to a, a doctor uh, in their rural communities, or they'd be concerned about coming into a city and going to a health clinic because they'd be worried about getting exposed to COVID. And so uh, telemedicine became a big deal. But again, if you don't have the internet connection, you can't do the telemedicine. So, so we provided funds to help improve and expand telehealth capacity. Um, another example is what we talked about earlier, the schools. Well, kids had to remote in, and in some cases still do have to remote in for school. And so if they don't have an appropriate broadband connection, they can't learn. They can't engage with their schools, their teachers. And so we put funds into school connectivity. 
Um, you have um, funds that were provided for stimulus funds to the parishes and to the state, a total of $5.1 billion. Those can be used for um, broadband. And so all, all together, there are like two dozen different programs uh, that, that, that could go toward broadband connection. There's even a program for, for those that um, are, are making lower wages where they can get a $50 a month stipend uh, to help cover internet costs and things. And so, but, but the deal is in some cases it's schools, in some cases it's parishes, in some cases it's hospitals or banks or other entities. And so everybody's gotta be working together to make sure that we're putting together the right type of broadband investments to, to connect as many people as possible. So we've been trying to pull together all of the players, the stakeholders, the, the, the community members that need broadband and getting everybody together parish by parish to make sure that we're efficiently using these dollars. No, it's, I've got a history in that. And one of the things that I learned when kind of, you know, digging into this, you know, people not having the internet, I always try to make it where people can tactically get it. I think people get it now with working from home and I think they get it, you know, with their kids, but you know, the two stories that always came to mind when, you know, I was involved here was there was that you're getting a lot of people that let's put it this. I'm trying to find an easy, delicate way to put it. Like if you, there's some financial groups, you know, that are out there that if you don't have enough in your retirement account, that they're forcing and saying everything you need to do, you don't get, you know, an advisor to talk to, you got to go online, you know, and do it. And it's two problems I see there, you know, one is they need the high speed internet access to be able to even access their money. But then two, more than likely, you know, that's an elderly person that needs, you know, education on how to do this. So we're literally saying, you don't have enough money to talk to someone. So you're going to have to go online, you know, and handle this yourself. And then the other story that, I'd heard was, I'd, I never would have made this leap, but if you're in agriculture, if you're, you know, growing crops. Yeah, precision farming. Yeah, well, it's the precision farming side of it, but it's also like, okay, at the end of the day, I've made, you know, I've grown this corn, like people are wanting to see it before they buy it. And so you're now having to drive, you know, all the way, you know, to these other places. If you don't have the ability to, you know, to get a video or to take the pictures, it's changed. And so people don't think about it, but it's like, like I said, it's not just cat memes anymore. It's people legitimately need this high speed access and it's not available. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. No, it's, it's, it's a great point. And and look, as you well know, things are getting even more connected. I mean, you can buy refrigerators and air conditioning uh, control and door locks and everything else. I mean, your alarm system, everything is connected uh, online. And, and so those, those people that don't have the access, they're just getting further and further insulated, isolated, disconnected um, from, from technology, from uh, our community. And so, I mean, it, it's, as, it's as fundamental as being able to, you know, get online to, to, to email and communicate with people and participate in school and work. Um, but, but even some of these newer technologies and safety systems, you know, the people who have healthcare monitoring and other things, I mean, this is, this is really, really important technology. And, and we do need to make sure we're making strategic investments of those dollars and helping expand that, uh, that connectivity around the state as best we can. Yeah. yeah. My office building, we have, you know, our access control to get in and out of the building. If you don't have internet, it's not going to work. Yeah. You have to have like, it's, they don't even give you the option for, you know, the dial in. So, so, you know, as a perfect, you know, segue, one of the things I wanted to hit because you had told me some really cool stories, you know, 
talking about internet and stores and ordering is you sit on the, I don't know the appropriate title, but the FAA aviation you know, committee chair. Obviously I don't keep enough with politics. Right. So I'm not sure. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. Throw a bunch of TLAs out there for three letter <laughs> acronyms and it'll be right. So FAA committee, something, but you're in charge or looking overseeing intricately with some of this, what everybody, you know, the kind of the Jetsons of the world where we're talking now drone delivery. And this is real. This is not high tech companies just, you know, doing advanced stuff. We're actually getting to the process where it's now government's getting involved, regulation. How does this stuff work? Like this is happening, whether, you know, people say, like, oh, I'm going to order something that's going to get delivered with a drone. Yes, yeah, yeah. it will happen. It's <laughs> matter. It's not if, it's when, you yeah. know, at this point, right? So, so how cool is it that you can, that you can, you know, right there from your phone, you say, you know what, I, I need, I need, I got a hole in my sock, you know, <laughs> I'm going to order some new socks and, and tomorrow it's at your house. I mean, to think that 10, 20 years ago, people would be talking about that. You'd, you know, be like, no way. And, and it's happening. Um, but, but what, what is that next level? What does it look like? Well, just last week I was with some, uh, some, some retailers in Baton Rouge and some technology companies that brought their, their toys here. And we're sitting right outside the store and demonstrating a technology where in, instead of, you know, going on and ordering from Amazon and getting it the next day or three days later or whatever, um, you could go on to your local store. You could say, Hey, I want this. And, and literally within minutes, that can be on a drone and it can be delivered to your front door within minutes. Um, you know, so for those people that are impatient, I mean, you're, you're maybe going to have a way to scratch that itch. Um, and so we, we sat there and we watched the technology. We watched how it, how it worked. You could see the, uh, you could either have it totally autonomous where you just put in the address and it goes and drops the package at the front door. Um, all sorts of other ways of, of doing it, including uh, you know remote piloted and everything, but but just remarkable technology. But Brandon, you're a pilot, and here's where the complexity comes in: the, the the national airspace in the United States is some of the most congested in the world, some of the most complex in the world. It's not just the the, the helicopters and and the airplanes. It, it it's it's a lot more complex uh, than that. With with we're we're now talking about. Uh, commercial passenger space travel. Um, uh, you've, got, you've got different sensors that weather sensors and other things that are out there autonomous. I mean, you just, it, it's some of the most congested, complex airspace in the world. And so we're talking about taking something that doesn't have a pilot and it just has sensors or cameras or what have you and adding it to that complexity. Look, the most important thing isn't convenience. The most important thing is safety. And so we've got to be very, very careful, very thoughtful, very deliberate about how to integrate these things into the airspace. Convenience is great, but we can't sacrifice safety. Uh, so, so how does this interface with airplanes, with helicopters, um, with, with other types of aircraft and making sure that all these things are communicating with one another, they're recognizing one another, and that we don't put people in harm's way um, as a result of our us continuing to strive for that immediate satisfaction or that next cool technological advancement. So, so that's the key thing. We've been working with the FAA, working with the pilots, working with the airports, and many, many other stakeholders to make sure that that's all done properly. Then you run into things like you know what? I don't want to have this loud drone flying over my my house, or I don't want something flying over my house. You know, unless it's X feet above, you know, and and it's kind of you know at a at a 
out of mind, out of sight. Um, and, and so, you know, just thinking through all of those things, the privacy, you know, I don't want some drone flying over my house if it's got a camera on it. You know, all of those things are things that, 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 that really just add to the complexity of safety. And so we've been working with the FAA trying to figure out how you do all these things. But the cool thing is technology exists today. Uh, we've been out there with numerous different companies and seen this demonstrated. They're going to be doing some additional pilot programs where they're choosing stores around the United States. And, and we're pushing them to, to choose a few in Louisiana to try it out. But just to kind of go through and demonstrate this to help figure out what else do we need to be taking into consideration. Again, the sound, the privacy, the altitude, making sure we're properly integrating in with pilots and others, proper distance from airports, right elevation, all those things uh, to, to ensure that it's, it, um, it's a safe experience and it actually works the way we want it to. Yeah, no, it's, I've talked about this at length and I'm really into the tech and I'm really liking it. You know, the easy, the question always, you know, kind of bring up to people is it's like, okay, so you bought your house, right. Or you bought your lot, you know, and it's there. How high did you buy up to? That's right. That's right. You know, like how, where is it yours and where is it someone else's? At what point does it, you know, make that transition? And it's kind of like, how do you, it's like, well, if you, it's not, it, it, everybody immediately goes, Oh, well it's, you know, you can build your house. Okay. Well, no one ever said, no one told me on the lot that I built, you know, even in my neighborhood bylaws, it doesn't say that I can't build a 20 story house. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like people never thought, you know, about it. So it's like all this open. No, no, no. I, I, I think that's your banker that says you can't build a 20 story house. hundred <laughs> percent. He doesn't even want me in the house I'm in right now. We had to do so, no, it's, so, so, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, and, and you, you talk to some people and, and they're like, yeah, you know, I own, I own up to heaven. And, uh, and then you get, you get other people who, um, you know, who may open up their freezer late at night and say, wait a minute, I'm out of bluebell vanilla. And they're like, you know what, I want that drone right here, right now. And, uh, and, and so it, it really is interesting, but it, but it's something that we can't rush into. We've got to make sure that we have good public participation, just hearing from people. And that's why I think doing some of these very small, limited scope pilot programs, it begins to, you know, let people experience it and giving feedback on what works, what doesn't, and, and making sure that all considerations are, are taken into account as you begin developing these rules. But, but as, as you said, I mean, look, this is where we're going. And so we need to make sure we do it right, do it safely. Well, and I'll leave you with this. Here's the last, well, the only the problem that we build here is we now make the problem even greater. I watched my daughter the other day on the phone, 13, according to Amazon, she's like 25, you know, according to them. So she can order what she wants. And I'm like, well, why don't you order? She's like, well, no, I'm not ordering from here. You know, they say it's going to take a week to get here. You know, it's like a, a week to get here. And then I told her this story. I'm like, you know, I can remember a life when there was no internet. And the story <laughs> I kind of tell people is it's like, if you wanted, there was a time, if you wanted to know when Billy Joel's birthday was, you had no idea. You would just wander around, and every time you saw somebody maybe with a Billy Joel shirt, you'd be like, you have to know what his birthday is. You know, like, now, if you want to know, I can know it before, you know, we hang up here. It's like one search. It's instant gratification. If we've got kids that are already like, I can't handle this unless it's a two-day prime delivery, or if I can't order it and go pick it up now. Now we've shortened the window, you know, where it's like, because... You know, I've heard Amazon, you know, with the new facility they're building here is that the rumor is we're going to get prime now, meaning 
once it's built, we'll have one hour delivery on certain items. How much closer can we race to the bottom here? And what expectation are we really setting? You know, I know my eight year olds can't stand to watch a 30 second commercial. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's, um, it's going to be interesting times to say the least. Uh, so I, I can, I can sympathize with them on that, uh, on that, on that 30 seconds, but uh, no, it, it really is amazing. And, 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 uh, uh, I, I remember when, when I was doing research for uh, projects and, and things at school, remember library information service, remember that number you could call and it'd be somebody at the library that would go research it for you and, and call you back and answer questions. Billy Joel's birthday is. <laughs> I can remember, and I still have, I think my mother gave them to me and we kept them. My wife's got to say, the encyclopedia, like oh, you would yeah, go absolutely. sit at the kitchen table and open it up and you're writing your book report and pull in everything now. Yeah. It's, yeah. Because I remember, you, I remember you used to copy out of the encyclopedia. Word for word, <laughs> you know. And so, and then I got smart, you know, when they started having us do computers and they would look for like plagiarism, you yeah. know, you'd submit yeah. papers. Yeah. Yeah. We found, I found the hack to where all I had to do was at the very beginning of my paper and at the very end, I just put quotes and I put them in a white font. And so I thought the whole thing, so the system never got it, thought the whole thing was a quote. <laughs> So probably shouldn't have seen that. But. It's things like that that make you a good parent. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Gary, I appreciate the time. It's always fun. Love to have you, you know, come back. We'll do it again sometime. You got more important things to do than sit around and talk to me. So I'll let yeah, you get back you to it. Thank you very much. It was great, uh, great connecting with you again. Uh, good, to, good to see you. And, uh, and I really appreciate the opportunity to join you. Awesome. You have a good day, sir. You too. Take care.